Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast, where each week we talk about all things related to the world of learning and development, including facilitation, instructional design, sales enablement, and so much more. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, and I'm an L&D strategist and career coach, and I'm here to take the guesswork out of becoming an L&D professional and show you how to unlock continued success in your learning and development career. I'm on a mission to quickly develop the next generation of L&D leaders who are looking to create meaningful and engaging learning experiences. So, if you're looking to transition into L&D for the first time, have found yourself accidentally in a training position, or are working up the ranks as an L&D professional already, you've come to the right place. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer Podcast. I can't believe it's November. So if you're listening to this in in real time, uh, it's November. Like how how has that happened? (laughs) I'm sure so many of you are in that that same boat. Like it's already the holiday season and all of these incredible things and we're starting to gear up towards a, a new year and it just it just seems wild how fast uh, this this year has gone by, and it's been such an uh, eventful year for I'm sure for so many of us, and and for me in particular. I mean, this is the year that I left my full time job to pursue this <laughs> as as my full time job, and I feel so incredibly grateful for you for listening and for showing up, whether this is your first week here or if you've been around for the man, I think this might be the 40th episode. Wow. That's just also just a lot of mind blowing happening right now. Um, So if you've been here since day one, thank you so much. Your love and support is deeply felt uh, through through the wide world web and through the internet. Um, And if this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm so happy you're here and choosing to, to invest in yourself. And I just before getting on uh, this this call, this isn't a call, this is a podcast uh, with myself <laughs> and with all of you, but I was going through the um, survey results from the last cohort of my group coaching program, my group career coaching program, and I'm surprised I'm not in tears here, but we we, la- we ended last week, last Thursday was our, our last call, and I just feel so much gratitude and I know we're going into this into the season of, of gratitude and we should always be in the season of gratitude, but it's a time where we really spend a lot a lot more time thinking about it and what we're grateful for and thankful for. And I'm just so thankful that you all choose this podcast to listen to and that my coaching clients choose me to coach them. And one of the I had I asked my coaching clients to write down their biggest wins from the program. And I want to read one to you because it was just just hit me so hard that, again, the gratitude that I have for this job and what I can do. And so I asked uh, all my clients, I said, what's your biggest win? And one of them said, dreaming big. I could never in my wildest dreams imagine working in a role where one, I could be doing most of the tasks I truly enjoy doing, and two, that I could have the work environment life benefits that are so important to me. This program has given me a deep hope that that's is possible for me and it's given me an entirely new way of looking at my career and just reading 
testimonials like that and wins like that, right? It just, it makes all this worth it. And I want you to know that wherever you are in your career process, whether you are happily at a career and you're just growing in it, or you are looking to transition inside of L&D or into L&D, you're looking to grow your role, dreaming big is so important. And, And, you know, oftentimes, and I just did a post on this a couple of days ago about how oftentimes our our big dream, it's really only our halfway point. And I talked about Sarah Blakely and how she just sold her you know, majority stake in, in the company Spanx, for those of you that are familiar with it. And 20 years ago, she said that her goal was to be worth 20 million. And she just sold that for 1.2 billion, right? So it's it's reframing what is possible for us. And again, it's, that's a lot, of, a lot of work. And that's why a lot of the coaching I do is kind of that reframing around the limiting beliefs that we put in on ourselves. So Again, just going into the holiday season, I'm so grateful for clients like this and for you all listening and and just spending some time with me. So I want to jump into today's episode, which is all about how to be the CEO of your learning department. And a lot of people that I work with, especially my executive coaching one-on-one clients, when we start working together, that's usually the biggest piece of the puzzle for them is how do I get that seat at the proverbial table, right? And a lot of times learning is looked at as overhead or kind of just another department that does the compliance training. And you know, I think we're seeing a huge, huge shift in how learning and development is looked at within the business. And it's starting, and I think it has started and it's growing, the, the idea that we are partners to the business. We're not order takers within it, but we're partners to the business. And that comes with a lot of traits that we as L&D leaders have to show up and bring to the table, right? We can't just like walk up to the table and be like, yo, I'm here. I'm at it, right? There's We have to bring something to the table. That's how we, we get and stay at the table as well. And so in today's episode, I really want to talk a lot about what I've noticed in a lot of the L&D execs that I work with. And when I say execs, I kind of, that's a broad term, but basically anyone who's leading the learning function within their organization is what I kind of categorize as as L&D exec. Uh, So that could be, you could be an individual contributor in doing that, um, having a team of one, but anyone who's really leading that strategy, leading the department, um, growing the department within the organization, that's who I refer to as as execs. And that's the, the kind of coaching that I do too. So it's not just someone who is a chief learning officer, right? I work with a lot of people who are learning and development managers who run the department or run a specific part of the learning and development department as well. So I wanted to clarify some nomenclature before we continue on. And so I wanna, I'm gonna go through a couple of the traits. And again, these are from really from being in there, A, as myself. So those of you that, that know me and listen for a while and know my story, I've headed up L&D for four different organizations. And so I know firsthand what it takes to be successful and the traits it takes to be successful. I've also been coaching for the last year uh, many L&D execs, and again, go back to that a couple seconds ago, I talk about what I mean by that, but, and, and a lot of them new, right? New L&D leaders, new to this function of, of overseeing an entire learning and development department and seeing the shifts in them that allow them to get that seat at the table. So this is coming, coming twofold from my own personal experience and what I see from my executive coaching clients as well. 
So I want to dive right on in. And the first trait to really being the CEO, being a successful CEO and owning your learning department and getting that seat at the table is being able to make quick and confident decisions. And that takes some time, right? But when I say quick and confident decisions, that means that you have that that gut instinct and and you go with it, right? And doesn't mean that you're making these rash decisions left and right, but you're confident in your decisions. And if it doesn't go as planned, right? Not holding on for the sake of holding on, right? So being able to make these confident, quick, confident decisions, right? Moving things forward, what's the next right step? That's my mom always says, what's the next right step? Right, but then also being you know, being honest and like, hey, okay, we took that step. That actually ended up not being the right step. Let's let's try this instead. And so where I see a lot of L&D leaders go wrong here is that they're constantly crowdsourcing information. So crowdsourcing from the organization, crowdsourcing from their team, crowdsourcing from their peers. And by all means, getting advice and getting input is so, so, so important, right? So I'm not saying that you, you should be in a silo creating you know, your, all these decisions on your own. But what I notice is that they rely, right, rather than and having a a confident decision and feeling good about it and using kind of others to to bounce that that idea off of and get some input on that and and pivot based on that rather than making a decision or even having a unique idea, right? They're crowdsourcing. And so what does Joe Schmoes in, in marketing think over here? And what does this person think over there? And so not ever coming up with their own confident decision. And what, that, what happens is that is when you're constantly crowdsourcing your decisions, you're not making a quick decision, right? So really effective L&D leaders and effective heads in their department are able to make really quick decisions. And if that doesn't work, right, able to pivot. And then on the flip side of this too, I think with making quick, confident decisions, it's also important to be vulnerable with not knowing all the answers, right? So knowing when, hey, I actually can't make this decision because I don't have X, Y, and Z pieces of information and going to get that information and then being able to make your decision. So it doesn't mean, again, always just making rash decisions left and right and you know hoping that hoping that things work work for the best. It's really being able to make quick, confident decisions, not relying on crowdsourcing to help you, you know define what that decision would be. And knowing when something isn't working and being able to pivot. And then again, on that flip side of it, not holding on just for the sake of holding on because you made that decision, right? Being able to be vulnerable with not knowing the answers and knowing it's okay to say, I don't know, I'm going to get back to you or I need more information in order to make this decision. And so just really important to keep in mind that I, I see this is a, a big confidence piece, right? And and I think I've mentioned this on here before and um I'll be talking more about it in the next couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm finishing up right now with the American Confidence Institute a certification on being a confidence coach because I think it's a huge area of opportunity for leaders, not just L&D leaders, but leaders across the board. And the more confident we are in ourselves, the more confident we can be in our decisions. And so I want you to think about that is if you're someone who's constantly crowdsourcing, right, are you? Are, are you are you doing it because you're not confident that you're going to make the right decision? The reality is, if you know your business, you know the organization, you know your learners, right? You know your stuff. You're making the right decision, and if not, it's okay. You can pivot. That's what I always say about learning and development, also, right? Like we are not heart surgeons or brain surgeons or rocket scientists, right? Like it's okay. Like the 
and I know it's so cliche to say, but we will learn from our mistakes. And if you do the next right thing and you're constantly making a, a disconfident decision to do the next right thing, right? That means you're, you're going step by step by step. We're not going zero to a hundred here. We're talking about making decisions. We're talking about making quick, confident decisions. How do I go from zero to 10? Great. Now, how do we go from 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40? And so keeping that in mind as well, that these are quick, short, confident decisions. So that way you're building up to that bigger piece and that bigger decision you have to make. So that's the first part about being the CEO of, of your own learning department. It's creating that confidence and having those that confidence in your decisions and being able to make them quick. The second thing that makes L&D leaders so successful is developing a team around you. And I, I find that there's, you know, kind of two camps of people in general, right? People who know what they don't know, people who don't know what they don't know, <laughs> I think when it comes to, to being a leader. And one of the things that have made me successful in the roles that I've had is I've been very, very clear and very honest about what I don't know. And I, you've probably heard me say it a million times in this podcast too, right? I'm not an expert at everything in learning and development. There's no possible way. If anyone claims to be an expert in every single thing in learning and development, they're a liar because there's just no possible way. I mean, the it's almost like, this is such an exaggeration, but it's true. It's almost like the like learning and development is like the universe. It's constantly expanding. So there's just no way we don't have the brain capacity as human beings to keep up with it in, in every way, shape and form, right? We don't know every inch of the universe, same way we don't know every inch of learning and development. There's no way for us to know that. So being really clear on what you know and what you don't know, and then finding people who do know those things and surrounding yourself with them. And so if you have the ability to, to build a team or to even develop a team, right? So let's say you, you come in and you're a first time leader or, or a first time to the organization and you're a new leader there and you already have a team, get to know your team and know what they want to, to know more about and specialize in. And again, connecting what you don't have with what they want to know and help developing them around that. And even if you don't have a team, I work with a lot of learning and development leaders who are individual contributors. And so they, it's just them. They do not have a team, but they're responsible for the entire learning and development function within the organization. And so finding and developing subject matter experts. There are so many people, and I've worked at so many organizations where people who are subject matter experts want to help train, right? They get, subject matter experts get such a bad rap sometimes. Um, oh, oh, they want us to know everything and you know they're the worst to work with and all these things. But the reality is there's so many subject matter experts who want to help people learn, right? They just need to learn how to help people learn. It's this is it's not a it's not a natural thing for many people, especially the subject matter expert, right? So developing subject matter experts, working with them, finding ones who want to help and developing that support system around you. And so it's just really important to think about as you are becoming the CEO of your learning department, what don't I know and who around me knows that and can help me do it. Right, so really successful, even CEOs in business, right? I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I've run a successful business now for, for a year. I know a lot of the things that I don't know and I outsource them. I have people help me. I have an amazing virtual assistant. Um, I use an accounting firm uh, who I pay monthly to help me deal with all of that stuff because 
I know what I, I don't know any of that. And it's really challenging. And so rather than beating myself up for not knowing it or pretending to know it or waiting until the last minute or all those things, right? It's being resourceful with getting the right people around you. And so that could also mean as an L&D leader, and especially if you're an individual contributor, finding the right vendors to partner with, right? So you may not be a skilled at you know, developing a certain type of compliance content, right? But you might find a vendor who is exactly what you need in that sense. So knowing what you don't know, how can I develop a team around me, whether it's an actual physical team that reports into me, dotted lines to me, subject matter experts in the organization, a peer group, or even vendors. So really important developing that team around you. That's the second one. Going into being the CEO of your learning department and getting that seat at the table and keeping it, a big part of that is being inspiring and having that influential piece. And I'm also a strengths finders coach. And so it's interesting because I work with all the L&D and the executive coaching that I do around that, we do a strengths finders assessment. And I would say about half of the people have influencing strengths in their top 10, but the other half don't. So don't think that this is something that you can't learn uh, if you don't already have it because the way that our strengths work is different ones work together to kind of help create uh, inspiration and, in, in, and being influential. So when you think about being inspiring, what, what I mean here is being able to set a vision and inspiring other people to follow you. Right? Other people are so inspired by what you're saying and, and can really see the vision, right? So not only being inspiring, but being able to articulate what is this vision and what is the impact going to be, right? When you think about inspirational speakers and keynote speakers, right? The thing they talk a lot about, what you hear about is, is the impact, right? What happened because of X, Y, and Z, right? I jumped out of the plane and now I can do this, right? And so what is that impact? And same thing when it comes to creating a, a vision for your learning department and a learning strategy, right? It's not just like, oh, here's this training and that training and here's a path. It's what happens on that path? What happens before, during, and after the path? What is the impact of someone going through that type of learning path? And so being able to set that vision and inspiring other people to follow you. And that does go back to what we were talking about earlier, which is making quick and confident decisions. So thinking about leaders that you've had, right? No one wants to follow someone who's wishy-washy. No one wants to follow someone who's always crowdsourcing and can't make a decision for themselves, right? It doesn't instill confidence, right? The people who are around us, who are working for us, who we are working for, right? If we're not making these quick, confident decisions. So being inspiring, it, it, part of it is what we talked about, that first thing of making those quick, confident decisions and having confidence in yourself. Because if you don't have confidence in yourself, right, it's really, really difficult for people to have confidence in you. You totally put off that energy. This is, this is a, a life lesson, right? We put off that energy and we wonder why people aren't following us or listening to us, why we don't have that seat at the table. And a lot of times it's because we don't believe we deserve it. So those limiting beliefs are so important to break. Um, and that's why I'm doing a lot of work around confidence right now, because we have to break those limiting beliefs in order to be inspiring. Right? We have to be inspired by ourselves in order for other people to be inspired by us as well. 
And so going along that that same lines of, of, of inspiration is also being curious. And I find curiosity to be, it's one of my favorite traits to talk about. And I've talked about this a lot over over the years and all in, in general of you know how curiosity plays a role in being a successful leader and entrepreneur, right? All of those things, right? But when you think about being the quote unquote CEO of your learning department, having that sense of curiosity. And a lot of you know I work really closely with the learning cluster design group. And they just did a newsletter and a blog post on this about curiosity when it comes to designing learning. And I think for for learning and development leaders especially, right, remaining curious about your learners is so incredibly important. I think a lot of times as we move up the the echelon right, and, and become L&D leaders, we disconnect from our learners a little bit more. And it's really important to keep that connection and to stay curious because as soon as we think we have them pegged down, we don't, right? Something changes. There's a, a, a new trend or there's you know a new type of learning or something new is happening at the organization um, or there's a new social media tool, right? Like we're constantly having to evolve. And so that's why I, I really love the learning cluster design model so much. And I talk about it so often because it really helps us remain curious and not in not pegging down our learners. And, and we want to be really curious about not only them, but curious, kind of meta right here, right? Curious about their curiosity, right? So what what are our learners curious about? And what are they wondering? And what sparks joy and interest in them? And how do I take my curiosity as an L&D leader and their curiosity as learners, right? And mesh this into some beautiful learning strategy and learning assets and creating training and learning programs for them, right? All around this idea of curiosity. I also think when you think about curiosity too, it goes goes back to something I talk a lot about as well, which is being an internal consultant, right? So the best consultants, if you think about any consultants you've worked for or with, or just in general, whether you, you have or haven't, right? The best consultants ask a lot of questions and remain curious to get you the best answers, right? Consultants who just come in and say, oh, here's a here's a cookie cutter solution. We did this at XYZ company. We're doing it here at this, this company too, right? those never work, right? Copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste doesn't work. I talk a lot about that in my accelerator program, right? We we are unique as, as learning and development individuals. Our organizations are unique as well. And so it's incredibly important to make sure that we are remaining curious, asking lots of questions, and creating a strategy that's as unique as our organizations are. And so with that too, if we think about the, the evolution of curiosity, that also goes to curiosity with yourself, right? And developing yourself. That's, if I, I'm like, I can't really put these in order, but if I had to, I would say, you know, that self-development piece is so incredibly important because if you are developing a team around you, right, you need to also constantly be developing yourself. And I don't know if you've heard, there's a, I forgot who came up with this, so I'll, I can link it in the show notes, but the idea of what's called the lid theory and that, uh, a team is only as strong, right, as as its leader, essentially. So if on a scale of one to 10, right, your leader is a six out of 10, that means as a team, that team is never going to be able to be able to grow beyond a six out of 10. And I've personally experienced that before, right, where I've felt, I've actually felt in sometimes in places I've worked, like I'm getting 
dumber. Like I'm not learning. I'm not, not only am I not learning, but I'm actually, I'm unlearning. I'm forgetting. I'm not able to practice my, my skills, my capabilities. And so you want to make sure as a leader, you're constantly developing. And does that mean that you're always going to be a 10 out of 10? Absolutely not, right? That's a that's a, a, a big, tall glass of water to, to try and fill. But what? how am I constantly trying to push myself to be better, to know more, and to learn more? And I talk about this a lot too, as far as being really intentional and specific about what you want to grow in, right? And, and having a a plan and a path for that. But the more that you're able to grow and develop yourself, whether that's in something specific to learning and development, whether that's a coaching skill, whether that's a leadership skill, right? Whatever that looks like to you, right? The more that you're developing yourself, the more your team's able to grow under you as well. And so with that, right, if you're constantly developing yourself and your team's developing themselves and you're developing your team, right? Then a key part of being the CEO of your learning department is to perform, right? To perform and perform well. And that goes back to a lot of things that we were just talking about as far as creating a strategy and being curious about that. And what we talked about even even earlier of what is the impact of the learning that you're putting forth in your strategy. So really not, it's not just lip service, right? Up until now, talking about making those confident decisions and developing a team around you, being inspiring, being, being curious, but at some point you have to perform and <laughs> that point should, should be very, very quickly and very often. And so how are you measuring your performance and how are you communicating that? And that's something that we talk about in the, in the career accelerator also is communicating our wins and communicating our impact and how can we be persuasive in our communication and informative in our communication as well. So really being able to perform, 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 and then verbalize and show what the impact of that performance is. And then one of the last things I want to talk about before we wrap up the episode is a really great L&D leader and the CEO of your learning business, right, knows when training is not the answer. And this is something that we talk about a lot in the learning cluster design community, right, which is looking at learning beyond training, right? This is the key. I would say everything I mentioned so far is incredibly important, uh, uh, but this is the key that unlocks the the mystery box of how do I go from order taker you know, to being a strategic learning and development partner in my organization. And it's knowing when training is not the answer. When you are in the mindset that everything can be fixed by training, the organization will remain in that mindset as well, and you will remain in order taker status forever. Right, so it's it's a bad, vicious cycle that we get in. And so it's not just knowing if it is training or it isn't training, right? It's about being able to be a performance partner and provide solutions inside the organization as well. And this is the key that I see for many of my executive clients who really are able to move and get that seat and keep that seat at the table is it's not just they're saying, oh, no, that's not training, sorry, like good luck figuring it out. It's being able to say, we took a look at the problem, you know, here are some solutions. We realized that a training program actually isn't the solution. However, we've talked to marketing and we're creating a, a drip campaign around this, or we've worked on IT. Uh, a, a real life example of something that, that, that I've done is that 
uh, we something uh, organization came came to us and said, hey, we need a training on a, a software system. And I started out in software training. And so I did uh, was curious, did some research, uh, came back and and what realized is they actually didn't need a training around it. What they needed was just a reminder on the home page, right, where to go to and how to log in as far as like questions go. Right. So not just saying, oh, you know what, that really isn't a training. Sorry, good luck. It's being able to say, you know, uh, an e-learning or a live course or whatever isn't going to be the best solution because of X, Y, and Z. Here are some other solutions that actually could solve the problem for you. So it's not just saying yes or no. That's that's might get you a seat at the table, but it's not going to keep you there. It's about being able to provide solutions and being a performance consultant and a performance partner to the business. And so when you think about it all in all, right, these key traits right here, these are all traits of great CEOs, but you are essentially running a learning business. As as someone who's leading a, an L&D function, right, you are overseeing a budget, you are having important meetings, you are working with vendors, you are developing a team, you are working on building out a strategy. That's everything that a CEO does as well. You're just doing it for your learning function and reporting it back and getting and and building the business around that learning function as well. And so it's important to keep in mind that as you continue to grow, right, these skills will grow and develop with you. And if you are struggling with any of any and all of these skills or you really want to work towards getting that seat at the table, I and I don't talk about it as much because I only have one seat that I open up per month for this, but I do have uh, seats available for December and January right now. My November spot is full uh, for LND Executive Coaching. It is six months together. Uh, we work through all of this and more. Uh, we build confidence. We work on strategy. We get that get you that seat at the table. We keep that seat at the table. We work on communication skills, how to measure impact, how to sell your learning programs inside of your organization, um, and really just navigate a lot of the nuances for your specific organization as well. And so if you are interested in the LND Executive Coaching Package, you can go to my website, theovernighttrainer.com slash work dash with dash me. And if you go to the executive coaching, click on schedule a consultation, you can schedule a free 30 minute consultation call with me. We could talk about what you're going through, kind of some of your pain points and see if coaching is right for you. Um, so that is our episode for today. Thank you so much for joining. We have some great, great episodes coming up. I know we've had a lot of solo time together, you and me in these last couple of weeks. Uh, but over the course of the next couple months now. I actually have it scheduled out. Who am I? I'm a CEO. <laughs> uh, we have some really fantastic guests coming and joining. And uh, I know you'll hear this in the outro as well, but if there's anyone you'd love for me to interview, any topics you want me to cover, please, please, please feel free to email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. Message me on LinkedIn and let me know. Uh, I take a lot of inspiration from what I see on LinkedIn, from what, what people message me, uh, what questions they have. So please feel free to reach out and I look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If it resonated with you in any way, please let me know by subscribing, liking, and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools, as well as what you want to hear more of. So connect with me on LinkedIn at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM, or email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning.